Welcome to the Cambridge Tech Podcast, talking all things technology from the heart of the UK's tech capital. Here are your hosts, Faye Holland and James Parton. Hello, I'm James. And hello, I'm Faye. Today we're going to be talking mental health tech. It's extremely likely that everyone will know someone who's tackling a mental health issue. So I'm really interested to hear from Steph Martlew, CEO of Psyomics, about the size of the issue and how tech can be utilised to make a positive impact in what is a very complicated market. So hi, Steph. Thanks for coming on to the show today. Very much appreciated. Before we get into the detail of mental health and psionics, I'm really interested to hear about your career today. You've spent the last 10 years in this space, I believe. So could you walk us through kind of how you got to this point? Sure. It's the last 10 years and the first 10 years of my career, really. So I graduated um, with a degree in criminology, which, as you can imagine, has a huge overlap with psychology and mental health. And was very fortunate at the end of my degree to be introduced to Barnaby Perks, who's a fantastic entrepreneur in the digital space in Cambridge, who was just at that time starting a company called Psychology Online. Mm -hmm. Um, He invited me to the converted pigsty that they were based in, uh, in Fensanton, and I decided to join the company as an intern. That company grew massively over um, the seven years I I was there, and I was able to get an incredible experience in that startup world, going from team to team, working across all of the different areas of the business, fell in love with startup world, Mm. but also um, really loved working with such passionate people who were so, so visionary in the mental health space. Uh, So it was both startup and mental health that kept me in that environment. I then had to make a decision after six and a half, seven years there as to whether to continue growing with that company, which was doing fantastic things and they still are as IESO Digital Health, or whether as my first job, I should really get out there and see some more of the world and get some more experience elsewhere. I decided to leave and joined a company that had slightly different scope, but very disruptive in the mental health sphere still. Mm. That was based in Oxford and we had offices here actually as well as in London so it gave me a bit more travel Um, and I was also able to go and run an RCT in Hong Kong which gave me experience in Asia. So through my career working in commercial operations product um, spheres but the common theme has been taking evidence-based mental health technology from a research perspective and trying to make it work in a commercial perspective. And that's why I was approached by the board at Psyomics to do the same thing with Psyomics. Uh, Psyomics is a spin out of Cambridge University, very research focused, and they needed somebody to move it into a commercial sphere. Mm. So I was approached um, quite unexpectedly. Uh, I was 10 years into my career and uh, you know, really enjoying what I did, but needed to push myself to see myself as a CEO. And they gave me the opportunity to do that. And I've been doing it for a year now and loving it. Okay, that's really interesting. So in a nutshell, what does Psyomics do? We're creating 
digital analytical tools to both improve outcomes for people, mm. optimize outcomes in the mental health space, but also accelerate access to treatment. So we're doing that initially by creating a digital front door for mental health services, which means that patients, people like you and me, can access treatment faster. And when we do access treatment, um, have a higher chance of it being impactful for us. So it's a really interesting technology that sits at the front end of assessment processes in the NHS and in private providers. And it's all about making sure that that individual has their needs assessed correctly and therefore gets into the right treatment um, in a speedy fashion. So Steph, before we go into more detail about the product and the technology, can we just take a little bit of a step back? Because I've read some quite, you know, horrendous stats that waiting lists are now six months, 1.6 million people um, needing some assistance. Can you just talk us through the market? Because I, I don't think we'll have had many mental health mm. tech um, discussions before. Yeah, sure. Um, as you say, Faye, um, we all see statistics and information about the scope of the problem. It's it's massive. One in four people have a mental health problem in any given year. And as you say, Faye, 1.6 million people are on the waiting list for treatment, which is huge. And those people aren't just stagnating on those waiting lists. They're not just passively waiting, they're getting worse. Um, the Royal College of Psychiatrists did a study and around 40% of people are actively declining on waiting lists. Their mental health is decreasing and they're more likely to access emergency and crisis services. So people are waiting, their mental health is declining and we don't have enough clinicians to treat them there's a huge supply and demand mismatch. And this is you know, a, a problem that the health service in general is, is trying their best to cope with. Um, but we need technologies now to come into play to help amplify and um, augment the services that clinicians can provide. Can we talk mm. a little bit about the demographics then? Because it's actually something that affects children you know, right through to adults. And I believe that there's a mm. high number of, of men as well that this affects. Yeah, there's no one specific demographic that is not impacted by mental health conditions. It impacts us all. Uh, men are particularly interesting in that they're more likely to have a severe mental health episode, but they're less likely to go and try to access treatment. So there's a mismatch there in terms of who needs support and who is actually getting support. So in most mental health services, around 70% of people accessing them are women. Uh, but we know men are still out there struggling, and but not accessing it for some reasons that are really unexplored in many areas. So it's an interesting hypothesis that we're testing that um, by creating a way for assessments and mental health support to be initiated in a more anonymous fashion, so through online questionnaires and online assessments, whether we're able to destigmatize the process for men and enable them to access services at a greater rate. I think one of the challenges has to be there are so many things that are out there. So where does someone go and look? And, you know, do you get people who think that they can just be a physician on demand and provide that kind of, of help to people? And is it the right type of help? So I guess what you're trying to do is 
eliminates some of that. That's exactly the problem that we're trying to solve. Uh, so I know quite a lot about the mental health system, um, yet if I try to use the NHS website, it's got a massive amount of information on there, which is fantastic. But I need to know the difference between primary and secondary care, third sector support, um, counselling, talking therapies. These are all terms and um, types of provision that aren't readily understood. It's very difficult to understand where to go to get to help. What we're doing is creating technology that enables people to understand more easily where and how to get support. So rather than having to understand the difference between going to your GP or calling up a counsellor or um, talking to your social worker about your mental health, it's not really clear who is the best point to speak to and where to access services. So if you can create a way that enables people to understand their own needs and what they can do about those, then we should increase access. So just going back on your answer there, just to clarify my understanding on the product, is, is a large part of this, and it's probably all of these things, but is, is a large part of this the, the translation into something more understandable for the general public and someone in that point of crisis where they need, you know, a really clear and fast path to get support? Um, and is it signposting to existing resources that exist today? Or are you creating additional services to supplement today's services? Ultimately, we want to get to a point where we can create that single point of access mm. um, front door for individuals. At the moment, we're very focused on supporting the efficiencies and the outcomes of the NHS. Mm -hmm. So we're a little bit, we're one step back in terms of where it's accessed. Yep. Uh, it's a very simple to use tool for an individual. So you could, as part of your referral into a mental health service, complete our assessment. And then what we're doing and focusing on at the moment is amplifying the support that clinicians can provide. Right. So an individual completes an assessment as part of the referral. And then the report um, that we create is given to the mental health professional that is providing the assessment and deciding what happens to that person. By giving them the information that we've collected from the patient, we're enabling them to understand the needs of that individual in much greater depth before they've even met them. Mm. So when the patient comes in for an assessment or they meet online or however they're meeting at the moment, then their needs are fully understood and they can delve into what's really important for that person straight away. Mm. That means that assessments can be shorter and more assessments can be provided, which is going back to that root problem of 1.6 million people on the waiting list. Yeah. and not enough clinicians available to treat them. We're able to get more people into treatment and reduce those waiting lists by simplifying and providing more information in that assessment. And, and I'm guessing also as a byproduct of that process, you're creating a really valuable data set there as well, which obviously will drive insights yeah. and spot patterns and all of those kinds of things for the providers. Absolutely. So from an individual perspective, we create a effectively a, a needs-based assessment report for each individual. In aggregate, from a population perspective, we can then help commissioners and providers to understand of their population, 
this number of people need to access this type of service. This number of people need to be seen by this type of clinician. And for service design and for workforce planning, that's incredibly valuable. If you are a startup looking to grow in Cambridge, the Bradfield Centre offers a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and home working mix. There's a vibrant, collaborative atmosphere, on-site cafe, plenty of green outside space and regular member social events. We also offer a range of high-quality meeting spaces for hire and for tech event organisers, our auditorium, Lakeside Pavilion and Atrium spaces are perfect to bring your communities together for in-person and hybrid events. For more information, visit bradfieldcentre.com or call 01223 919600. Talking about the Sensio platform then, so you have this mental health assessment, this triage service, um, how does it actually work? So, you, you know, it's a whole, at the moment you're very focused on the data side of it. Where is it from a technology perspective? Mm. So it's a very simple to use platform from the patient's perspective. Um, they go to our website and complete an assessment um, that's been created by our clinical professionals in-house. There's an expert algorithm in the back that then codifies effectively a clinician's assessment. So we've taken the knowledge that that's in our founder's head, Professor Sabina Barn from the Cambridge Centre for Neuropsychiatric Research and other clinicians in different professions and turned that into an algorithm that assesses the input from the patient and enables the report to show particular conditions that that individual might have particular needs that that person has beyond um, diagnosis and different economic or social or environmental factors that are changing what that individual might need to access. In the future, there's a huge amount we can do with that data set and there's a huge amount we're going to be doing to the question set using machine learning principles to pull out um, the relevant questions immediately for that person. At the moment, it's decision tree logic. Um, so a relatively simple process flow and the expertise is in the, the algorithm. But we want to be able to ask those questions in a smarter fashion and make sure that what we're asking is the most relevant question for that person. It's personalised at the moment, so not everybody gets the same question set. Uh, there are around 1,400 questions in our full database. Nobody gets asked 1,400 questions. It's tailored to what the person has said before. So we spent a lot of time talking about the NHS, which obviously is going to be familiar to the majority of our listeners, although interesting, and we do have quite a big international audience. So my question was going to be, you know, are you exclusively working B2B through public providers like the NHS or, or private providers? Uh, or what, do you also have a, a go-to-market strategy for going direct to the the actual person in need of the services. And then the second part of that question is, how does international factor into your strategy? Are you focused exclusively on the UK right now or are you looking internationally as well? The NHS is really important for us to get right. It's the provider in the UK that we want to ensure we're providing great services to. If we can provide 
products that work and help support the clinicians in the NHS, we think that we have great scope elsewhere. Um, we know that the NHS is very hard to work in, and if we can make it work here, we've got good opportunities elsewhere. Mm. It's also, um, we're a very values-driven company, and we want to help the most people we can in the areas that we live in. And the way to do that, 90% of services are still provided in the UK through the NHS. The way to do that is through the NHS. We have great ambition outside of the NHS, though. So this year has been about focusing on scaling within the NHS. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at new markets to enter in the new year. Um, it's, it's very interesting where this best sits. We've got efficiency savings in the, in the assessment process that we're, we're demonstrating, um, cost savings when we can demonstrate that we can reduce the length of assessment time, but also there's huge value for the patient themselves. So going directly to those individuals will be part of our future. Yeah. But once we've made the most of the opportunities in a B2B setting first. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive, I no. guess. And, and I guess a, a third part of that question, if I can, Faye. I, I guess I know the answer to the question, unfortunately, but I assume the mental health crisis is just as bad in, in a lot of uh, other countries as it is in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. It's a global issue that's um, not getting better the supply-demand mismatch of therapists versus people wanting to access therapy is getting worse. And so we believe our products and the way that we're trying to solve this problem is applicable in many other countries. So Steph, let's talk about development plans as much as you can um, on, on today's podcast. Earlier on this year, your colleague Francesca picked up an award at, for the company at 21 to Watch, and she called for, for help with two things, investment and partnership. And I know you raised um, earlier on in summer some more funding. So is investment still a focus and, you know, picking up from the NHS conversation we've had, the partnership side, are they still your priorities? Absolutely. Partnerships are our number one priority um, we've done some fantastic work this year with a number of key partners um, who have enabled us to demonstrate product market fit. Uh, so in particular, we've worked with Hertfordshire Partnership NHS University Foundation Trust, who have been excellent in supporting the development um, of our products and are now rolling out the product Sensio across a wider portion of their services. The focus is on new partnerships in order to expand that success across the NHS. So we're working with secondary care mental health providers in particular in order to replicate the success we've had with Hearts and demonstrate that this product is impactful in the NHS. Investment is always important, making sure that we have enough funds to do what we want to do in our, in our business. And we've been very fortunate to have continued support from our previous investors who will be helping us to open a new round at the beginning of next year. So we're also looking for impact-driven, value-driven investors to join us on our journey from next year. So we opened up the conversation just exploring your, your career to date. Uh, and obviously, this is your first CEO role. So I, I'm guessing that's been incredibly rewarding, but challenging at the same time. So maybe could you just walk us through maybe some of those some of the toughest challenges that you faced doing having that transition as CEO and maybe some of the highlights just to 
maybe for the people listening to the show that are also on that kind of career path and are thinking about starting their first company and becoming a CEO or a founder? Oh, you've said it in a nutshell there, really, in terms of challenges versus delights. It's, it's been a fantastic year, uh, definitely a steep learning curve. There's a huge amount to learn about you know, simple things. That, you know, I've been involved in investment rounds before, but leading, leading that is a different thing. And navigating board dynamics uh, alongside team dynamics and looking up and down at the same time is something that, again, I've done before, but being responsible for that has been really interesting, mm. uh, but very enjoyable and rewarding. Celebrating wins is incredibly important to us. So we've enjoyed you know, celebrating our first revenue recently, which has been fantastic. Um, we've enjoyed expanding our team into new areas. So we're particularly focused on commercial growth at the moment, and we've been able to hire a very strong commercial team which is where i really want to focus um you know we've we're incredibly lucky to be working in a very value-driven space and we've been able to grow our team with that in mind um, so the people that join us not only want to work for a startup but they want to make a difference in yeah their day-to-day -day life and that was that was what I was going to come on and say. I mean, you know, anyone that's spent any time around the startup ecosystem is probably sick of hearing this phrase, we're here to make the world a better place. But clearly you must have that sense that every time you go home at night that your work is really directly impacting people's lives for the, for the better. And it's one of the great things about working in the with the NHS as well. Um, we're working with people directly on the front line of providing mental health support and treatment for people and um, being able to hear their feedback about our products and understand how our products have changed the type of treatment or the speed of treatment or you know, people are telling us that they're able to understand their their patients in, in a much better way. Um, that's fantastically validating for a company to hear and every team member who works in our company, whether they're a, a developer or financial controller or um, operations manager, they hear the feedback from our customers and it puts a smile on their face because they know that what they're doing every day is, is directly impacting people's mental health. Absolutely. And that's a great note to end on as well. So thank you very much for your time, Steph. Thank you very much. Today's show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV and supported by our media partner, Business Weekly. The Cambridge Tech Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on cambridgetechpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review. It will really help others discover the show. 